folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Slaymaker Success Talks, where we dissect the brains and the minds of some very successful people, uh, people that are just everyday normal like you and I, and have seen success in various facets. Um, really excited about today's episode. This is going to be a good one. This is one I've been waiting to record for a while with a very, very, very good and dear friend of mine, Mr. William Charles Schofield. He is, he is the man, the myth, the legend. Schofield and I have had many memories on the uh, USS Cape St. George when we both served together during operations Iraqi freedom and enduring freedom. So this is going to be a fun one for, uh, for those that are listening that might not enjoy profanity. I have a feeling this podcast might be a little explicit. So with that, Schofield, you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, soon to be a hopeful politician. Why don't you give us and give us a brief background? Well, uh, my name is William Schofield. I was born and raised in Florence, South Carolina. Um, we're about 45 minutes from Myrtle Beach, uh, 45 minutes from Columbia, South Carolina. Um, and we sit dead middle um, on I-95 in between Miami and New York City. Um, my family started a company called Schofield Hardware in 1903. Um, I am fifth generation in the hardware industry, um, but due to some unforeseen complications from my grandfather and his brother, they sold that business because they couldn't work together. And um, my father, uncle, and grandfather built Carolina Supply House. Um, it started on two acres of land and about 20,000 square feet. It now sits on 12 acres of land and is 156,000 square feet. And we have uh, 188,000 different items, uh, anywhere from heating and air, electrical, plumbing, hardware, nuts and bolts, power tools, uh, outdoor cooking area section, um, as well as a 25,000 square foot lighting kitchen and bath showroom. Um, I uh, went to Camden Military Academy from eighth grade till my senior year uh, because I was one of those bad kids that just needed straightening out. And uh, no, 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 no. My, my, my father and my uncle and my grandfather all went to Carlisle Military School. Um, and I was uh, kind of a legacy. Cannon Military Academy was the brother school of Carlisle. But was I a bad kid? Sure, I was. Who the hell wasn't? Um, but I did, I did enjoy my time at Camden. It was an all-male military boarding school. So going in the Navy uh, on a warship was not that big of a deal for me. Um, after high school, I went to the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina, where uh, my sophomore year, I decided uh, I just wasn't quite ready for college. I, I needed to do a little bit more drinking and uh, enlisted into the Navy. Um, I needed to explore uh, the world and figure out where I really wanted to be because at that point in time, I really did not want to own or run a hardware, uh, much less to be a politician because of, um, I wasn't always around my father because he was always working or doing something in the community. And uh, I kind of resented him for it for a long time and it took me a while uh, to actually grasp uh, the, the, the whole selfless service thing. And, um, but uh, here I am, I made it. Um, <laughs> it, it, it just, uh, you grow up, you're no longer a child and 
you you uh, you leave your mom and dad and you become a uh, responsible human being that cares for others besides your own selfish needs. Um, in 2005, I enlisted into the Navy after having to get a waiver for a year and a half to get in uh, because I took Adderall in high school. Uh, my recruiter told me to lie and say no. Well, <laughs> I don't. I just couldn't lie to the to Meps, and I, I, I uh, had to get a waiver from uh, a flag officer and a senator to be able to get in. But uh, I, I finally got in. Um, I went to boot camp, and uh, I was in uh, Division One Six Nine. I don't know how far off you were from that, uh, but uh, the it, we were in what were called the old ships. Uh, I imagine Slay, you were in a new ship. I was. I was. I was on the USS John Paul Jones. I don't even remember the barracks name, so you're doing better yeah, than me. Don't feel bad because I don't remember my division name. I think it was like 090 <laughs> or something. Um, but uh, while I was there, I, they, uh, the Presidential Honor Guard came in and they uh, hand-selected about 10 of us out of uh, 100 of us um, and then asked us if we wanted to, uh, after some trials and um little challenges that they did put us through and questions uh, they asked if we wanted to be a part of the presidential honor guard in dc um my my boot camp instructor really did not my rdc did not like the honor guard he's like you're gonna sit there and do funerals all day you're gonna be miserable blah 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 and i'm gonna tell you right now i've done over three thousand funerals in arlington cemetery and i look back now as an adult and that is the most precious time of my life was being able to give somebody that comfort and peace at the uh, last moments of their loved one's um, life and, and, and turning them into Arlington. Um, I worked for uh, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld for, uh, as his, in his public affairs office, um, basically a glorified tour guide for foreign dignitaries. Um, <laughs> Then I got uh, transferred uh, to a minesweeper down in uh, Ingleside, Texas, where I uh, greatly uh, uh, gained an appreciation for having fellow OSs because I was the only OS on the ship and everything inside a CIC was my responsibility. And I didn't Ouch. really like that. Um, and on top of that, I, they, if you're a mineman or on a minesweeper, you, do, you don't just have one job. Every job on that ship is your job. You must learn everything. I don't know if you know this, Slay, but I was sound and security watch qualified. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. That's impressive. <laughs> so um, when I got to the Cape in San Diego, uh, they were looking over all my quals and I had all these engineering quals. <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing as an OS with these quals? I was like, I was on a sweep. It, one man just doesn't do all these different things. We, you've got to be able to do everything. There are only 60 people on a suite. Um, and if something happened, everyone's got to have to be able to pitch in and do it. It's, it's no different than just like how we're all firefighters, because if something happens, we've all got to be able to put out the fire. Yeah, there, there, there's no fire department coming to rescue us out there 5,000 miles away from any piece of land. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I went to San Diego with and, and met Slay here and uh, a few of our other good buddies uh, that I still talk to and and uh, give a little hard hard time to um, 
but I, I don't know that we'll ever stop giving each other a hard time. I think that's just kind of ingrained into us. Yeah, but, uh, I think that's that was like the first thing they taught us in boot camp: never stop giving shit. Yeah. <laughs> After that, um, in uh, 2009, um, uh, I found out my wife had had an affair on me, and uh, I decided while we were on our last deployment, and um, I decided to get out and. Um, I knew no judge in their right mind was going to give me custody of my daughter being active duty. Uh, my wife was also active duty. Um, there was just, it was not going to work. And my wife was um, already had been home port shifted to Norfolk and I was still in San Diego. So both my wife and I had transferred custody of my daughter over to my parents at the time. And I wanted to be able to get custody back of my daughter. So um, actually they, they, uh, I can't remember the captain's name, but he he offered to cap me if I'd stay and send me to to, to AIC school. <laughs> and I uh, told him no. I told him no. Was that was that when you were on the Cape? <laughs> that was Raven. Is it was it Captain Raven? Yeah. Well, now it's now it's Admiral Raven. Oh really? Oh yeah. I don't I don't think there's a. In my knowledge, all the captains that I served under under the Cape all got their star. So good, good, good. Man. But uh, I mean. I, I look back and I kind of wish I had stayed, but had I stayed, you know, you and I'd pro both be chiefs right now running around in our khakis. I don't know. Big, big country. John Warch isn't a chief yet. Really? I would, <laughs> nope. I, you would think. I, I well, hope okay, he's well, watching this. Y'all got in after me. So, I mean, I, I was a little further up. When, when did you get in? Oh, five, buddy. Oh, five, two. Yep. Then I, how did I, I, beat, I was, then I was how did right I beat behind. you to OS2? uh when no no five did you come in may yeah i came in december so you, you had me you had me by a few months and then that and was i like still beat you to os2 two you slack ass two advancement <laughs> two advancement cycles between us buddy two advancement cycles but i don't know man um after i did, got home uh, i went and started back at the hardware and of course we were making good money out there in San Diego with the housing allowance and everything. Um, my father being the man he is to really show me who I was and that you're going to work from the ground up all over again, started me out at minimum wage <laughs> all over again. Of course, you knew I had two motorcycles back then and um, my truck and you can't, you can't afford all those all those nice toys that you can have when you're in the, in the military. And so I sold, I sold both motorcycles and got rid of those. And I focused on my daughter and, uh, and, uh, the hardware, but, uh, worked my way around into every single department and, um, learned, learned a good trade and learned how to fix some things. And like I told you, I'm up here today at the beach house and I'm going to fix the AC units tomorrow because one opens out. So, I mean, uh, trades are important learning, how to do things and being able to not always call, uh, have to call on somebody else is uh, quite a nice thing. Well, William Schofield, buddy, you just answered like the first five questions on my list with just your intro. So that's pretty good. I, I appreciate that. You're making my job easier. Um, yeah, man, San Diego. Whew, did we have some fun? I miss it every day. I, I tell my wife. It. Oh, I, I definitely I miss, miss it. it. I mean, being able to go 
to the mountains on the motorcycle and be up there in snow in 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, all the way up in uh, Julian, go to the miner's diner, get me a handmade, a homemade uh, Coke float. And then if I wanted to go to the beach, it was right there. If I wanted to go to TJ, I go to Tijuana, just boop, I'm there. I mean, and man, we had such good times there. And we went, when we went to uh, uh, LA for the uh, ammunition onload before our last deployment. Seal Beach. Yeah, Seal Beach. Oh, that was a fun one. <laughs> oh, that, that town, that town hated us. That was, that was a port visit where, where, uh, where Junior got drunk and tried getting in that lady's minivan and her whole family was in there. <laughs> oh, man. Man, oh man, there was a, mm -hmm. I, I don't know how, but we all, I think we always, always, always ended up at the casinos. And if I remember correctly, Coonsman always walked away with money. I, I don't think I ever went to the casino with Coonsman other than maybe in Panama. Uh, and, and I definitely lost money in Panama, but I think, I think that might've been why I stayed out of the casino so much. I preferred to spend my money in the, in the bars. Yeah, oh, we, uh, think we, I, would, I wish I could have back some of the money that we spent in the bar. Had I known now, I wish we could have I, back a lot of it. Had, had I known then what I know now, things would be a lot different. I would have put a lot of money into Amazon stock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't say I, I, I do different than that, although I, I did have one hell of a time. I, I miss it. We were, uh, Coonsman asked me to be a groomsman in his wedding a year or two ago, and I'll never forget it. Uh, Elizabeth, my, my beautiful wife, she, she was going to come down for the, for the wedding to see me in it. She finally meet my Navy buddies. And up to that point, she hadn't met anybody, even though Lee, uh, Lee, <laughs> even, even though Lee, I'm not, I'm not kidding you, dude. Lee was, Lee was maybe like 35 minutes from me a few times in the past couple of years. And every time it would be, it would, something would come up. So Lee, if you're seeing this, get it together, dude, come on. I want to hang out. Yeah, don't um, be a bitch. Yeah, there you go. Spoken like a true sailor. Don't be a bitch. Um, but we, <laughs> my, my poor wife, she, she got down late at night. This is after the rehearsal dinner. And Coonsman had rented out this like whole little inn. And it was me, Coonsman, Phillips, and Brady. Uh, oh no, Brady wasn't there that night. It was me, Phillips, and Coonsman. And I mean, we were we were gone, like way far gone. And my wife walks in, and that was her first, very first interaction with, with any of my Navy buddies. And we went hard in the paint, we'll put it that way. And then the next night at the wedding, we went even more hard. <laughs> a few, like a few years back, when I first married my wife, we were all talking about getting together all of everybody from the cave that we could get together. Oh, I was, and, I was spearheading and, that. And, and yes, and, and we were talking about bringing the wives. And I looked at my wife, and was like, "You down for this? Are you gonna be able to hang with this?" She said, "I'm good. Y'all, mm. y'all are the ones that are gonna have to hang with me." And I'm gonna tell you something. My wife is an amazing woman, but she she can she can out drink us. I'm not gonna tell you a lie. Like uh, we went out in Charleston one night, and I we we went a little heavy that night, and 
just celebrating uh, one of my buddies getting engaged. And, <laughs> it, dude, the next day was when we were really supposed to be celebrating, and I couldn't keep up. And she started off the morning. She had a, a hair of the dog, and she was rolling, man. And I was like, man, I just I can't get there. <laughs> yeah, the, the years the years catch up to you, especially after you spend <laughs> you spend your younger years going like we did. <laughs> oh man, Phew. yeah, Coonsman, Phillips was there. Brady was there. Brady was before you and I. That we we became friends through Mike and and Jason. Um. But I, I don't I don't think my wife's met any of the other Navy people. She was supposed to to meet uh, OSC to Lear. Uh, obviously, that tore me up. That tore me up. Yeah, we lost we lost quite a few. There's Chief Talier, Chief Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, we lost we lost one this past year too. But speaking of old Borja. Oh man, yeah. I haven't I haven't talked to him in ages, but well, oh, he was dude, great. He, did you know he and I had to go against the CMC just to get our pins? <laughs> was that which CMC was that? That wasn't uh Was that oh, fuck, what was his name? I don't I don't know. It was we had we had three Master Chiefs on board at that point, okay? And OSC said before we left on our deployment Whoever gets their ESWAS pin, by the time we hit Dubai, I'm getting you a silver ESWAS pin. Do you remember that conversation? I do. I do remember that. I said, well, you're going to save some money on me. And, and Borja and I were the only two OSs out of all of us to go do it. And we I think even, to, wasn't, wasn't Pancoke working on it? Yeah, I think he was. I don't think, I don't I, think he made it in time, though. Um, so we, we had our Master Chief board. And the command master chief wasn't there, but two other master chiefs were, as well as all the rest of the chiefs. And we passed our board, and chief can't tell me, y'all did really good, and uh, we're, we're proud of y'all. And then the next day, he came up to me and said, OS2, don't, don't, don't lose your cool. And I said, what are you, what, what's going on, chief? And he said, you're not getting pinned. Uh. I said, what the fuck? <laughs> what do you mean I'm not getting pinned? I I passed the board. Well, the command master chief is not going to allow you to be pinned because he wasn't there. And he thinks that the command master chief is supposed to be present there. And But if you want to follow this all the way up, we can't, the chiefs, can't come out in public in support of you, but know we're there in the back doing everything we can. And I was like, yes, yeah, chief, I'm going to fill it out. He's like, all right, I'll fill it out for you. You just sign it. And they, we, me, Borja, and, all, and we all fit, uh, signed our names to him because all of us, I mean, everybody that was there for that board, they, I mean, we busted our butts to learn all that. And then for him to just be like, nah, I wasn't there. You don't get it. <laughs> and I was just, I mean, it was just, so we actually pulled out the Capes bylaws on oh, how to great. get your pin. And it did not designate command master chief to be president board. It designated 
a master chief to be at the board. So that was the loophole. And we took full advantage of it. And uh, chief came to me and he was like, all right, today you go see the, the captain. You need to get in your dress blues and you need to be at his underway cabin at 1100. I chief got my dress blues and I was, I was running up the ladder wells, man, because I was running behind and he, he was Schofield. I'm like, what chief? I got to get up. He's like, no, stop. I, I got to go. And he's like, I said, stop. I said, chief, what's going on? He's you ain't got to go. The captain's already read it. You get in your pen. He don't, you don't need, he doesn't need to see you. He thinks it's crap. <laughs> Go get back in in, in your in, in, in uh, your uniform and get back to work. <laughs> but, oh, uh, that that's fantastic! Just, oh, t- dude, to take on a command master chief that was that was great. That's that, that that's something I'll always treasure. <laughs> I used to throw that in my dad's face. That's great. When he and I would get in trouble together at, at the hardware. He and I would disagree with something, and and he'd be like, "You just don't know when to set, to to stop, do you?" I said. Did I ever tell you that story of when I took on the command master chief? <laughs> <laughs> when I graduated boot camp, I didn't go to OSA school. Okay. I went straight. Yeah, you went straight into the guard, right? Yeah. I went straight into the honor guard in DC. We got two weeks off before, before uh, uh, guard training, which was like boot camp all over again. Um, because you, we, we would, we would practice standing still literally. Um, which my mother and father thought was just hilarious that I could stand still and not talk or move or flinch or show any facial expressions um, for that amount of time. But uh, we would do what was called tightness training. And, <laughs> um, and uh, they said when I, cause I had to go to OSA school or to OS uh, OSA school to go to the fleet. Oh, dang. I forgot a, a little significant of this. Um, when I was working in the, uh, for uh, Rumsfeld, I had an opportunity to go work for the CNO. Oh, that's and, right. I forgot about that about you. And so I was basically shadowing in the CNO's office being an aide, basically. Get, getting the chief of naval operations some coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it was Admiral Munn at the time. Mm-hmm. No, no, not Mun. Mullen. Yeah, Mike Mullen. Mullen. And uh, I told him because my my, my my command master chief from the honor guard was actually from Florence, South Carolina, where I live. And he called to tell me that uh, I got orders to be able to go to OS, the OSA school and <laughs> that you. I could go. And I could either stay or I could go. And the CNO was like, we can squash this right now. And you can stay with me. I really like you. And you'll finish your time out here. And if that's what you want to do, you'll have great experiences. You'll meet some really powerful people and, and really learn a lot. I said, but if you're like me, that's not the reason you joined the Navy. You didn't join the Navy to stay on land. And for all you people out there in the, the world that don't know this, there are sailors that never touch a ship. And there are Air Force people that never fly in a plane. I mean, it's <laughs> just part of it. Um, 
but I sat and I, I, I went, went back to my barracks and I slept on it. And I told him, I said, you know, I just, I think you're right. I think I do need to go to a ship. And you know what? I don't regret that one bit. I, I would regret if I didn't go to a, to a ship and I got to go to two ships. I mean, come on. I mean, you, you got lucky. I, I was only on the Cape, man, so, did I have some fun. Man, I mean, it was that best years of my life. You're talking boot camp, presidential honor guard, Donna Rumsfeld's office, CNO, minesweeper, Cape. <laughs> I mean, that's just you, you don't really was, get much much of a better uh, first enlistment, bud. But I mean, it was it was it was a good time, and there's still days today that I I, I wish I was still in. But um, yeah, me too. Me too. It's, it, it was, you know, but if, if nothing else, it, I, I really think that it taught us selfless service. I really do. I mean, you're looking back. I mean, you think about all that that we've done. I mean, all the humanitarian aids missions that the military has done. And I mean, it's just, dude, that, that's one of the reasons I've gotten back into politics is, is I still have that desire, that burn to want to serve and to be able to help. And though we, you nor I are going to ever do that on a warship ever again, nope. um, because we have kids, it's just that's my that's going to be my way to be able to do it. If I see things that are wrong, I want to be able to fix them, and that's not necessarily on a major level in, in, as far as laws and all that. But I mean, if there's a neighborhood that uh, that is getting neglected and needs some stormwater drainage issues to be straightened out, I want to fix that. If, if a certain area isn't getting the attention it needs and only the, the, the councils are only focusing on certain areas, I'm going to be that advocate. I'm going to be that guy. You and I both are those kind of guys that we were just, we're just going to be that guy that's going to stand up for the guy that's getting picked on. That's just, we're not, we don't go with the flow. We, we never have. We probably never will. And <laughs> we're, we're just going to do what's flipping right. Okay. And if it does, if it's not right, it's not going to set good with us, and we're not going to stand for it. I like it. So what? You know, you, you just said that you're getting into politics. What are you going for? All right. So you know, I ran for my father's seat when he passed away. He was uh, he did four terms on county council, uh, but pre- prior to his four terms on county council, he served on Florence City Council, um, and. Um, I'm actually running for city council now. The guy that beat me, um, he was a 15-year um, politician on city council. Um, and he's only the second person besides my father to be able to make that transition and get elected from city council over to county council. Wow. His seat became available, uh, but I'm not in his district. It's now that he won, you know, my father's seat. Uh, but the the lady that just won uh, the mayor in Florence had to vacate her seat, which is my district. Um, now it encompasses a large section of Florence, um, from the very west end of Florence and all the way to the north end of Florence. And there's some low poverty stricken areas in it, and there's some high wealth areas in it. For a long time, it was seventy percent Democrat, thirty percent Republican. Kyle, if you don't know this, I'm a Republican. Okay, <laughs> um, I, I align more with the conservative views. Um, does that not mean that I'm going to sit there and follow 
party politics down the line? No, it doesn't. Um, like you, I was just saying, you nor I are going to stand up for some crap. We're not going to do that. We're going to do what's right. So, um, this is, this is not an easy race. This will never be an easy race. Uh, this district has been Democrat for over 50 years. And here I am trying to turn it red. Um, it's going to be a feat, brother. It is. But uh, over the past uh, four years, I think it's, it's now turned into more of a 60 to 55, 55-45 um, ratio. So it's, it's a little easier than, than that. But a lot of people know my family in Florence, a lot of people. And that, that's, that's not just because of, you know, my family's hardware over the years, but my father really set, they, he set an example for all politicians inside of Florence County, city council, county council, senators, house representatives, they all look to him for advice. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of uh, people at his funeral, they're like, y'all have got to understand something about Mr. James. That man didn't have a racist bone in his body. He wanted everyone to be included in, in an inclusive environment to where all families, I mean, it's just, we served in the Navy, man. We are inclusive. There is, there is no black, white, brown, green, orange. There's not. There's one. There's sailor. You're, you're, you're my brother and, or my sister. And that's just what it is. I mean, we were all created equal and there have been places in my town that have not gotten the right amount of treatment over the years. And I'm not going to stand for it. My father wouldn't have stood for it. Um, but I'm not going to focus on one area. And a lot of my people in my town have focused on one central area for the past eight years. And before that, they focused on another area for just one, for, for, for all efforts to be focused in one area for at least another eight to 10 years. That was out by I-95 and I-20. Now, yeah, that's the hub. That's where your bread and butter can come in, bringing people, tourists in. But it's, you got to be able to do things across the board for every single person inside of that municipality. You can't just hyper-focus and ditch all efforts to go right here and ignore storm water issues, ignore, ignore safety lighting issues. You just, you can't do it. And some of the people that are going to run against me, They're just going to run to be that guy. The cool guy. And I'm just sitting here. And, and I'm not just saying guy, guy, girl. And some feel entitled to the position. I'm not entitled to it. But I'm going to earn it. I'm going to earn people's trust. Many people that know me, I mean especially in Florence, I'd give, I'd take this shirt off and give it to anybody. It wouldn't matter. 
I take my shoes off and walk barefoot if the guy needed my shoes. It doesn't matter. I think you're going to do all right. Dude, it's just, I get, I get so emotional about it because I'm so passionate about my town and the people in it. I mean, when hurricanes come along, Lowe's and Home Depot, they fail us every single time. It never fails. These big box stores fail over and over and over again. They, they, they'll bring in supplies and then that's it. Once they're gone, they're gone and they sell them out, uh, fly to the masses. They don't place any limits, let it go. And they're over, they're out. And now no one in the town has what they need because some asshole picked them up and is going to go put them in a box truck and go sell them on the side of the street for twice as much. And it sickens me. So, you know, my, my family store, we've, we've done things all the way back since hurricane Hugo. I mean, we've, the last hurricane that actually came towards Florence, um, to give you an idea, we, we sold, I think, close to five or 600 generators. Wow. And I think 8,000 five-gallon gas cans. Jeez. Well after, well after Lowe's and Home Depot had run out and just couldn't get anything. And more recently, the, the pandemic with covid Everybody ran out of toilet paper and paper towels and bleach and hand sanitizer and gloves. Not me. You got to think outside the box. I'm a member of True Value and Orgel. True Value and Orgel ran out. I'm sure Home Depot's warehouses that they get from their distribution ran out. I'm sure Lowe's distribution channels ran out. But you got to be able to think quick and think quick on your feet. And what I thought about right then and there all the restaurants are closed. All those restaurant vendors, distribution centers have nowhere to ship their product. They have cleaning supplies. They have toilet paper. They have paper towels. And so I opened up with three different restaurant supply companies and flooded my area. And it got so big that I was able to take care of my whole town that I've put that, that dog and pony show on the road loaded up my 30 foot box trucks and struck it to over here to my second home here at sunset beach, North Carolina. And I provided for this community here because I knew that if I didn't get these guys full before rental season kicked in, when all the tourists came in, they weren't ever going to have anything because all the tourists were going to buy it up. So I brought, I brought 96 rural cases of toilet paper up here. So everybody was set all through rental season. And a lot of the renters uh, or the, 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 the homeowners, they were buying the cases and they were putting them in the home so that no one ever had to go look for hand sanitizer. They didn't have to go look for toilet paper or paper towels. The, the, the landlords and the rental companies were actually providing it this year. So that the, the, the people that were coming to, you know, spend some time socially distancing at the beach and just getting some kind of outlet away from home, that they didn't have to worry about going and searching for something so minute uh, as toilet paper, paper towels and things of that nature. But you got to be able to think quick on your feet and you got to be able to think outside the box. And the Navy taught you and me that. And uh, I don't think everybody's got that ability. I think we learned that in the Navy. Everyone's not the same.
I 100% wholeheartedly agree. That's, that's an incredible story that you, that you had that idea to think outside the box. I mean, it's, it's genius when you think about even the simplicity of it. I mean, that, that's, that's incredible. And that you took the care of your town and the other town. The, the restaurants are closed. They still got to sell. They still got product. They still want to sell it. I'm your Huckleberry. Let's play ball. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, again, you, you literally just like finished off all the questions on, on that sheet. So what, what do you, uh, do you have any advice for, for somebody looking to, to be successful, be it in politics, be it in entrepreneurship, business, anything? What do, what do you got for him, bud? You want to be successful in life. Stop thinking about yourself. First and foremost. To become successful, you must first make other people successful. I believe in giving a hand up, not a hand out. You want to help someone up. You don't want them to become dependent on your help. You want them to be able to grow from your help. I'm also a board member for Habitat for Humanity here in Florence. And that is our motto, a a helping hand up, not a hand out. And I, I, I highly recommend people to get involved with Habitat for Humanity and learn to give back. And to help people and to, to understand where everybody is not in the same position as yourself. People need to get humbled. In other words, you need to humble yourself. If you want to be successful, get humbled. Don't go, go to a, what we have in Florence is called the manor house. And that's where we feed our homeless. Go work at your local manor house. Go volunteer your time at your local Habitat for Humanity. Join uh, a Rotary International group. Figure out ways to give back. The more you give back, the greater you'll feel and the more you're going to learn. And the more you learn, the faster you're going to grow and the more successful you're going to be. Awesome. Schofield, a huge, huge thank you from the bottom of my salty heart. It was a pleasure. If there's anything else you want to add or just say goodbye, the floor is yours. I love you, man. I love you too, buddy. (laughs) All right. For those of you listening in, remember Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at the Slaymaker Method. Website www.theslaymakermethod.com has all my contact information, everything. Thank you once again for tuning in. (laughs) 